God bless you. you. may be seated this morning. Our children are dismissed to Children's Church, but man, that song's beautiful. And uh, just before we get going, let's just bow our heads, close our eyes. Here's what I want you to consider. Maybe this week God was working and you saw it. You experienced it. You felt it. And you just need to come to him and you need to say right now, Lord, for that, for that which I've seen, that's what, what I've experienced, that which you've done, and I, I praise you, Lord. You need to bring him that. Maybe, like the song testifies, maybe this week you were like, I, I didn't really, I mean, I trust that you're working. I just didn't, it wasn't manifest. Maybe there's something that you're looking for God to work in, and you're going, God, I, I'm trusting, but I don't see you moving. And you just need to come and you need to bring that prayer before him this morning. I just want you all to have a, a, a moment in which you can either offer your prayer or you can offer your praise to the Waymaker. Lord, I come and, Lord, I, I, I wonder what it looks like right now. What expressions on your face as you, as you receive the prayers, my brothers and my sisters. I wonder Lord, how your, your face shows pained anguish and compassion when my brothers and sisters bring to you prayers that they're pleading. They're looking for an answer, looking for a way, and they don't know the way. I wonder what, what ease and delight washes across your face with such genuine humility as praises are lifted up to you. Lord, we love you. And we come to you today, Lord, and we, we do worship you. Lord, not only are you the one who, who, who just makes a way, Lord, you've shown us the way through your son. We, we not only had it announced to us that there's good news of great joy, but Lord, Lord, our lives have been opened up to the reality of the good news. And we thank you for that. 
God, I pray and I ask that you would be with us as we, as we come this month and we are looking for ways in which we can participate in and support the mission, which is to testify the good news. Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts freshly. Lord, make us not only honor those whose feet are beautiful, bringing the gospel, Lord. Lord, help us to be those ones with the beautiful feet. Lord. I pray and I ask that you would stir us, reinvigorate us, Lord. As I think about, even when we don't see it, you're working, Lord. That's what this world needs to know, is that there is a God in heaven who is not at rest right now. He is not detached. He's not departed. He's not just letting us all go on killing ourselves, Lord. Lord, it is only because of your grace in this world that we are not consumed. This world's looking for answers. They're looking for politicians. They're looking to escape through uh, dainties and delights. They're coping with it in vile and destructive ways. And we have the good news. I pray that you would reinvigorate us. Stir us freshly. Not only to support mission. But to participate. To be active participants. Carrying the good news. Of great joy. Lord I pray. I pray and I ask these things in the mighty, resurrected name of Jesus. Amen. Um, <clears throat> I grew up here at Friendswood Baptist Church. And um, I am well acquainted with Faith Promise Mission Giving. Um, we, from or very early on in our church, we started... Uh, uh, started this program. That's all it is. Well, let me just tell you, it's a program. It's a way to support missions. Uh, Dr. Boone said, hey, he, he was a Southern Baptist. His parents were Southern Baptist missionaries. And, I, and I'm just going to tell you, there are stupid arguments that people will make. And they'll be like, faith promise mission giving is the biblical model. No, it is a model based on biblical principles. And, and there are people in independent fundamental Baptist circles who will be like, oh man, those Southern Baptists, they're doing it unbiblically because they're giving to the, to the uh, IMB, to the cooperative program, um, so that they, they're just different devices. There's no morality behind them. Um, actually, the Southern Baptist Convention, there's a lot of practical um, efficiency in getting people to the mission field uh, through the uh, International Mission Board. Um, but then I also know that there's other bureaucratic frustrations along the way, too. On the other end, we, we have missionaries that, uh, that go and they, they get support from uh, local churches. And, uh, and, and, and so it might not be as quick and as efficient to get to the field all the time. Um, but we also get to have some personal connection with our missionaries on a, on a different level. Again, there's no morality behind this. They're just different. So when we 
to start out, and I don't know why I felt the need to say this, but when we start out and we go, faith, promise, mission giving, we, we practice this as a church, but we do not. We do not stick our noses up and go, we are doing it the, the right way. We are doing it the way that we were taught, and it's a good way. And uh, we celebrate the other ways that people are being supported in missions as well. But as, as members and participants of Friends of Baptist Church, this month we set out to uh, not only uh, think about missions and, uh, and, and, and our missionaries who we support, but we also want to take this time to recommit ourselves to faith promise mission giving. From a young age, we started faith promise mission giving. I remember the first year that we dedicated as a church to give uh, funds to faith promise mission giving, uh, we gave $3,000. And those who were here then knew that whenever they put $3,000 on the board at the beginning of the year, everybody went, I hope we can do it. And they did it. And subsequently, every year, the church, as a goal, would say, we're going to do more this year than we did last year. And, and that worked for a number of years because uh, not only uh, did, was the church, uh, you know, uh, peop new people were coming in and, and, and church was growing in that way. But people, uh, their, their jobs, you know, uh, every year they were getting a little bit more uh, income. You know, they were, they were rising up in their careers. And then, and then um, and, and we got to this height where at one point the church was, had given over $150,000 in a year towards missions is remarkable because this church has never been over 200 people and that's not just and that money that money wasn't just hey the offerings that came in it was above and beyond people's regular tithe or offering pretty remarkable uh, today uh, we uh, sit there and we look at uh, last year we promised 64,000 we uh, gave 79,000. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. But I grew up with, with faith promise mission giving. I grew up um, every year we'd have a mission conference. Uh, whenever I was coming up, uh, we, we would do a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Saturday would be for rat killing, as my dad would say, almost every year without fail. And then Sunday we would come back and we would, we would finish out the conference and we would have a barbecue a meal. And then we would come back in here and we would see, well, what did we promise to give for Faith Promise Missions? And, and there, there, there was energy and there was excitement and there was vitality surrounding this. Uh, Dr. Claude Craven um, would come in and he would preach to us. Uh, each year, and uh, Claude Craven was a character. Uh, I mean, he he was. Um, uh, he, it's been said of him, uh, he got saved, but his mouth really never got saved. Uh, <laughs> and, and he he would say some colorful things uh, while he was preaching, and uh, and and, uh, and we had so much fun around that. But uh, but uh, but uh, Brother Craven, he he stirred our hearts, and we had great affection for him until. The Lord called him home. And, um, and so I, I've always grown up with this. As, it's like part of my, my DNA. And, and I've long thought one of the reasons why Friends of the Baptist Church in 2008 
whenever my dad died and, um, and, and, and then I became pastor. And during that time, we lost a lot of our congregation. I always thought, why is this church sustained? Because I can tell you, 25-year-old Macaulay was not holding this church together. And it's always been primary to me to say, that's why this church is sustained. Because this church, that's not like, you know, the most grand size or spectacle in our community this church reaches far beyond our walls. And so when we come to talking about faith, promise, mission, giving, I want you to know from your pastor, this is not just an aspect of our church, but I believe it is the lifeblood of our church. That we as a church are always looking beyond ourselves. We're always looking out beyond. But then also, I think about this. Because I grew up with it, I mean, I, I just, I, I knew it. I knew it instinctively in my bones. This is what you do. So it was like never a thought whenever uh, Brittany and I got married and we began to put our finances together and put our budget together. It was never a thought to me like, well, I mean, are we going to participate? in It was like, no, you, that, that, it was just a given. Here's our tithe. Here's, what are we going to do for faith promise this year? It just was part of part of our, 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 our DNA so much that it just wasn't even a thought. And, and here's the deal. Some of y'all who, 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 who it was new to at one time, it's not new to anymore. Some of y'all, it's so much a part of your life. Like I look at you, Brother Rose, like it's so much a part of your life. It's not even a thought to go like, hey, am I going to participate? And am I going to prayerfully consider? Like, you know, you mark this out, like in your in, in, your, in the normal course of your year, you're going to already be thinking and preparing for this. But some of y'all are newer to Friendswood Baptist Church, uh, new to this crazy independent Baptist way of doing missions. Uh, some of you are just new to the aspect of giving, period. And so, and so, when we start talking about faith, promise, mission giving, it, it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting, that's neat. Maybe, maybe it becomes overwhelming to you. So, uh, what I wanted to do today was not only kind of give some explanation, I just wanted to talk really practically about uh, some practical principles about faith, promise, mission giving. And, 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 and here's what I found. Is as I've done this study myself, somebody who's been enveloped in faith, promise, mission giving forever, as I've done the study myself, it's, it's, been, it's been lively for me. It's been reinvigorating for me. And so, so if you are a part of Faith Promise Mission Giving for, for many years and you go, oh, well, he's just going to do some practical stuff around, and, and, like, don't tune out. And, and if you're here and you're going, oh, well, we're new, he must be talking to you. I'm not just talking to idiot. Like, we're all receiving this together. 
And so, um, so, so, so that's what I want us to do today. Just for a few minutes, I want us to talk about like just some really um, so, some, some biblical principles and then just some practical principles that can help us as we begin to think about this commitment that we're going to make this year uh, to give to uh, missions. Uh, my principles are most all of them are going to come out of 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And so uh, you can turn to 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. And, um, and, and, and I'll kind of tell you what's going on in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Um, uh, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this offering. In 1 Corinthians 16, he talks about this offering, uh, this collection that they are, that they are, uh, that they are, uh, this offering that they are collecting, and they're going to take it to Jerusalem. Historically, we know that, um, that Jerusalem in the first century, it was, uh, I, I mean, it was, pretty treacherous in Jerusalem uh, for a lot of reasons. Uh, there was political upheaval, uh, but then there also became this time where there was this uh, great famine uh, there, um, and, uh, um, and a lot of people were suffering that. Um, uh, the, the first movement of the church um, after Jesus uh, departed began in Jerusalem, and, uh, and then it went from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria and to the uttermost part of the world. And Paul, hearing about the, the plight of things going on in Jerusalem, he began to tell the churches that he had been uh, establishing and pastoring, and uh, he, he began to say, hey, you know what, y'all are here because that church there got the ball rolling, and because that church there and those churches there sent people out, you've heard the gospel. And he said, because you, and, and now that you've heard the gospel, I, I want you to know they have need. And, and here's what I think we could do. We could begin to collect some funds and we could take it back and we can help them in their need. And the churches were like, that sounds great. The Corinthian church was like, that sounds like a great idea. We'll start doing this right away. And he said, okay, here's what y'all do. First day uh, of every week, y'all begin collecting the funds. And then whenever you send out letters, whoever you entrust to take your letters, they will take the money and the goods that you have, and they will take it to Jerusalem. And 2 Corinthians comes along, and, uh, and, and it's you know a year or so later, and Paul... Uh, is sending Titus and he's sending some others who are going to go uh, back to the church at Corinth and they're going to help make sure that everything's in order for this collection that they've been taking. Now, it kind of seems like what happened was they started to do this collecting and then they stopped, right? February came around, missions month happened, everybody got excited and they're like, yeah, we're going to give to missions. And then by May, they forgot to put their mission offering in. And then by August, they were like, I haven't done it in three months. It kind of seems like that might have been the case. But we're not fully sure. And, and I'll tell you, so the Corinthian church, they had a lot of problems. But whenever we get talking to uh, reading this section that Paul is, uh, is discussing here, I think sometimes... I think we're a little heavy-handed <laughs> against the Corinthian church, um, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, a, a little too critical sometimes. And, 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 and I just want us to kind of like read this with like generous hearts towards these believers. Um, but Paul, 
says, hey, I'm sending Titus and I'm sending some others, and they're going to help get the collection ready. And in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul begins to say, hey, let me explain some things to you about why I'm sending this group. And let me encourage you a little bit more in your giving. And it's from there that we're going to glean some principles about faith, promise, mission, giving. Right. First and foremost, though, uh, let's, let's just answer uh, like kind of a practical question. Uh, you know, what is uh, faith, promise, mission, giving? Uh, Brother Michael, I might actually need that. Oh, okay, I got it. Here we go. I'm going to, y'all, I've gone above and beyond today. Uh, we have some slides that I'm going to, uh, I'm going to shift through if I can get this working. And, uh, if I can't, I will need you, brother Michael. Um, it's saying it's not connecting me. So first slide, brother Michael. Uh, next slide, brother Michael. You could just hit the arrow over. Um, well, go back to the last slide, Brother Michael. I thought I wrote this down in here. Faith, promise, mission, giving is a practical way to support mission based on biblical principles. It is a financial commitment between you and the Lord to support missions through our church. You're making a, a commitment saying, God, I commit to give this amount at this, at this, you know, rate, whatever, this year to missions. We also believe, because there's a faith aspect in it, that it's not something that you only give in trust to the Lord, but something that you trust that the Lord will provide for you. Right? I did put it up there. Thank you. All right. So it's a financial commitment between you and the Lord to support missions and missionaries through our church. Uh, we believe that uh, faith promise mission giving is a set aside amount beyond your regular tithe or offering. And so... Uh, Whatever you give regularly to the church, you say, okay, above and beyond that, I can, I can commit this to missions. Um, maybe go back to that last slide. Here's the very first thing that I want us to know about anytime we talk about giving, tithes, offerings, or giving to missions. Everybody read it with me. Do not give out of what? We do not believe in guilting you into guilt giving. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 is really wanting to be clear. Implicit in everything that he says is, I'm not here trying to force your hand. I'm not here trying to guilt you into doing something that you are not. You are not moved by the Holy Spirit of God to do. You don't have in your heart already. 
Uh, here's the thing. I don't want to just say don't give as, out of guilt. I want us to uh, understand why we should not give out of guilt. All right. Uh, Paul, whenever he writes, he says uh, these words. He says, um, I, I, I'm, uh, I'm writing to you people uh, for the forwardness of your mind, which I boast to you of, uh, boast of you to them in Macedonia and Achaia. You're ready a, a year ago and your zeal has already provoked many. Listen, I'm encouraging you in what you were already eager to do a year ago. And guess what? I've taken your testimony and your eagerness and it's, it's in encouraged other people. It's provoked others. He said, but I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain on this behalf. This, I would say, is just a practical matter. Paul says, but I'm sending a group of people to get everything ordered because I don't want to get there and y'all don't have everything together because that would be an embarrassment on the people who are coming and it would be embarrassing for you. This, I do not believe, is a punch. I believe Paul is just speaking very practically here. Paul is just saying, hey guys, here's the deal. I know that y'all been ready to do this, that y'all were eager to do this, but what happened? What, what would happen if I sent some people to pick up that collection and you're like, oh, we don't have it ready yet. So I'm sending this group just to get things ready. We don't have to read that as a punch in the gut. We could just read Paul saying, hey, genuinely saying, hey, this is why I'm sending these people. Yesterday, I had to show up to a birthday party for a four-year-old or five-year-old without a gift. I was embarrassed. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go and show up with it. But we had so, it was actually Friday. We had so much going on and we didn't have time to get to the store. And uh, we had sick kids and then, you know, freezing weather and all that stuff. And, and, and I was like, oh, I don't want to do that, you know. And that's how I think about this. It's just a practical, like, hey, you know how it would be if you showed up and you said, hey, do you have your stuff ready? And I don't want my stuff ready. He says, I, I, I don't want y'all, I, I don't want to send people and find y'all unprepared. Therefore, verse number five says, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you, before unto you, and they would uh, make up beforehand your bounty, uh, that the same might be ready. And he says, as a mounter of bounty, not of covetousness. This is, this is just concerning your generosity. This is not. This is not a matter of greed on our behalf, right? This is just for good stuff. And verse number seven is a, a one. He says, I want every man to give according as he has purposed in his heart. Uh, let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. Of necessity means of compulsion or out of force. And then he says these words, God loves a cheerful giver. Uh, Paul was not sending an entourage there to strong arm the Corinthians into giving up their money. Paul was not sending them there because Paul was so greedy of a filthy lucre that he needed to send his henchmen ahead of him and, you know, his knuckle crackers and say, all right, where's the funds? 
Paul sent these people there so that they could prepare to take the gift that the church had already been eager to give. And he says, I'm just sending them there so that they can help get things in order so that when we take this gift on, it will be good. And then Paul says, I want to be clear on this. I'm not sending them there so that you give out of a grudge, begrudgingly. And I'm not sending them there to force your hand. I'm just doing this as a practical consideration. Paul, for all of his theology, for all of his faith, Paul was a very practical individual. And sometimes what happens whenever we talk about faith, promise, mission giving, and things like that, instead of just being kind of practical about some of these matters, because we're all so uncomfortable because we're talking about money, we get out of the practical business and we get in, in, in the weeds with stuff that does end up becoming guilt-inducing. I mean, some of the mission videos that people send are, are, are like those, um, the, uh, the videos with, uh, who is it, uh, Sarah McLaughlin? I will remember you. Just for a dollar a day, you can support these puppies. Will you remember me? Right? So whenever I say, don't give out of guilt, and we're talking about practical principles, here's what I want us to get at. I think when we talk about money, we are talking about that which involves our faith and trust in very practical ways. And, and I know that we can do a lot to conjole and to convince people to give. Anybody can do that. But that's not the work of the gospel. The work of the gospel is not, oh, let me stir your heartstrings and make you feel like, make you feel so terrible that you'll, you'll have to give. No, the work of the gospel is, hey, there's good news of great joy, and it has to get around the world. And guess what? To get a family of five about to be, or a family of seven about to be eight to the mission field costs some coin and people go we got to get them over there well let's get the money together and get them over there now do you see this poor pregnant woman with her sixth child she wants to take the gospel to the good <laughs> we could that could easily have happened right i'm sure they probably might have been some people who felt that way it's not to give out of guilt. Here's why we don't give out of guilt. It's not only is it implicit in Paul's exhortation uh, to give cheerfully, joyfully. Um, so uh, to give cheerfully and joyfully means you are not giving out of guilt. Because I can promise you, when you are giving out of guilt, you are not giving cheerfully and joyfully. Um, uh, here's, uh, here's why it's not good for you. Do you know that? Giving out of guilt is not good for you. Um, it can turn into bitterness and resentment. Have you ever done something 
because you felt forced to do it. Or you just felt bad for somebody, so you did it. But it wasn't something that you, and I'm not, this is kind of, kind of touchy here. It wasn't something that you, that you felt like the Lord led you to do. But you did it maybe out of a sense of accusation from the enemy. If you're really a son of God, you would do this. Here's the deal. I'm not one of those preachers who says, hey, if you give all your money, all your prayers will be answered. And if you start giving out of guilt and all your prayers aren't answered, you might go, why am I giving? Uh, I, I do not believe that you can outgive God. I don't believe you can do that. I've been blessed immeasurably. Uh, we live very generous lives, and, and people have been very generous towards me as well. Um, I believe that that's God's economy. But I will not co-opt God's economy to say, if you do this, you will get your Mercedes. And whenever you give out of guilt, there is a thought that says, I'm going to do this so I can get something. Whether it's that peace of mind in that moment an answered prayer, or a Mercedes Benz. Here's the other thing. It's not a sustainable model. Uh, what happens when you stop feeling guilty? What happens whenever you have a good night's sleep and you forget about the missionary and uh, I will not playing in your head and your heart anymore then you find it easy to go you know what I don't think I'm going to do that so it's not sustainable model so I want us to be very clear we are not trying to guilt you and missions month is not about guilt it's about making a commitment to the Lord now then we believe that this is above and beyond your regular tithe and offering. Some of you might go, regular tithe and offering? Come again? <laughs> what, what, what's that thing? Um, and so, uh, so I do want us to say, everything that we're going to say here is good for all giving. It, uh, these principles will apply whether you are talking about making a commitment to the Lord for faith promise mission giving or whether you are one of those people who go, man, I've tried to give and I just can't. I can't get into the groove. I, 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 it overwhelms me to think about giving 10% of my income, like whatever uh, might be, or, um, you know, these principles will be good for all giving. Here's what I will say. I will say this, that if you are not already a regular uh, tithe giver or a regular offering giver, I would encourage our people to do this. Don't start with faith promise mission giving. Start with the discipline of just giving regularly to the Lord. Um, if you have never given 10% and you go, man, the Lord requires 10%, let me just say, 
10% for us is a principle. It's not a law. And in fact, 10%, I don't believe it's, uh, it's the amount that God requires out of all of us, nor do I think it's the max amount that God requires out of all of us. So I, I, I see it all the way through is this, is 10% is a good principle for us to follow. But some of you need to start out at 1% and let the Lord build your faith and trust. Um, and here's the deal. At the end of the day, God's not interested in percentages. He's interested in your heart. God loves a cheerful giver. And so I would encourage you that if you've not been uh, regularly contributing your tithes and offerings, use this month as a month to say, you know what, I'm going to get, I'm going to start doing that. Um, and there's a lot that we can say about this. I will say very, very shortly is this. It is a spiritual discipline to give tithes and offerings regularly, but it's also a practical uh, concern. Uh, whenever you give your tithes and offerings regularly, it helps the ongoing ministries of Friendswood Baptist Church. And so it is good for your, good to shape you and form you to look more like Jesus. And it also is just practically good for our church. Um, now then, let me, let me tell you a couple things here. Here's a few principles that I want us to keep in mind. First of all, Faith, promise, mission, giving is a commitment. Paul says, as I already read in verse number seven, he says, uh, I want every man to give according as he has purposed in his heart. This is a commitment. It's a commitment that you make. You, your wife, your family, it's a commitment that you make to the Lord. Now, whenever you think about this commitment, this is what we want to do. We want to prayerfully think about this commitment. God, what will you have me to give? What will you provide for me to give? But you also need to practically consider this commitment. We all know how to ask God a question prayerfully. But uh, I want to encourage us that it's okay to be practical with God too. And say, God, just give me some good, practical, common sense reasoning about this matter. Uh, I, I believe that anything that you give and trust to the Lord is going to be received by God well. And, and so... To say that, I don't think that God is only looking for you to go, okay, I'm not going to get a new car this year because I have to take all that money and I have to put it in. You don't have to, you know, God's not looking for you to do some crazy length. Like it's, he's not looking like for you to be bigger and bolder, more, more radical. He just wants you to be genuine in what you're giving him. Now, however... God could say, hey, what if you don't get a new car this year? And you take that money and you put it into missions. 
He could do that. And that could be a practical consideration. But God's not going to be impressed because you go, well, God, I look at what I did. Look at what I did. God wants you to consider things practically because God could say, hey, you really need a new car because you have to get to work. And if you can't get to work, you can't have the paycheck. And if you can't have the paycheck, you can't give anything. So when we consider these practical concerns, here's one thing. Consider your why. What is motivating you to give? What do you hope to get out of giving? Who is this really for? That's something to consider. Paul, in, first, or in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, he has some answers for this for the church. He says... Uh, in verse number 12, he says, The administration of this service not only supplies the work of the saints, not only supplies their lives, it is by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God for your subjection to the gospel of Christ. Thank you, God. This is amazing. God, you've provided for us in our time of need. This is why it's important that you and I, whenever God says, hey, I need you to go do this, we actually answer that because it's not just God going, hey, I want to see if you'll do this. He's going, somebody needs something. And I am here working. And guess what? I'm here working through you. And so if I say, hey, listen, pick up the phone and call that person and just say, how are you doing today? Guess what? They are going, God, are, are you there? And you're going to answer, they're going to answer the phone and they're going to go, somebody loves me. God loves me. Thank you, God, for the encouragement. When you give financially to missions, we, next week we'll have Scott Ingram here. Scott is in Uganda. He serves in Uganda. And, 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 and here's what I think. Scott gets to go tell the churches there that, and the leaders there, hey, the, a church in Friendswood, Texas, sent this gift to you so that we could do this ministry here or so that uh, this could supply this need. And everybody goes, awesome. Thanks, God. Paul had a why. He gives that to the church. I think we need to actually really think about our why. Because some of us, as I talked about earlier, some of us, you really think, and you've really been taught, or you've heard it said, man, if, if I do the right things, then God will answer my prayers. And I would encourage you, take that to God and say, God, is that, is that the truth about this matter? Do you answer my prayers whenever I... I give you more than the year before. I'll encourage you as a pastor, as a teacher, I don't believe that's the case. Biblically, God has never acted in such a way. In fact, God tells us that he's pretty impartial. That he rains blessings on the good and the bad. On the wicked and the righteous. But you need to consider, is that part of your why? 
is part of your why, so that you look good to other people in Friendswood Baptist Church. Guess what? We don't ask you to put a name on your commitment card. We don't, uh, we don't take your W-2 and, and line it up and go, oh, well, you're not giving quite 10%. We don't do any of that stuff here. This is a commitment between you and the Lord. And I promise you, we don't treat people differently because they give a lot or a little. We try to act pretty impartially. And people who've given a lot and thought that they expected a lot, they've been pretty bummed about that. <laughs> they've thought, well, you should be treated better. Or differently than so-and-so. Because I contribute. And that's not the case. It's part of your why to look good for others. part of your why to get something out of it. If you are trying to get something out of it, I will say this. You will get something out of it. But you have to be wanting the right things out of it. It's part of your why to look more like Jesus. It's part of your why saying, hey, if I learn how to, uh, to be generous and sacrifice in this way, it might shape me and form me to be generous and sacrificial in other ways. If that's part of your why, guess what? That's a good part of your why. It will teach you. It will build you. Other thing that I want us to think about is consider how. Like I said, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16, uh, Paul says, hey, he, he just told them very, very plainly. He said, on the first day of the week, y'all just begin collecting the tithes and offerings. Now, we can take that and we can read that and we can over-spiritualize it. And we can go, oh my goodness, there's something about the first day of the week. I don't think that was the case. I think they met on the first day of the week and it made sense. Hey, whenever y'all come in and y'all are meeting together, go ahead and as part of your meeting, you make a time for the collection of these gifts. So that everybody knows this is the time for collecting these gifts. Um, but that considers the how. How, how, how do we go about this? And I think that this is a good practical consideration. How will you get the funds? Is it income that you already have? Is it like disposable income that is not allocated anywhere and you go, you know what, I could take some of that money and I could start giving that to missions. Is that where those funds are going to come from? Are you going to have to do some extra work? Are you going to have to sell some things? Is that where these funds are going to come from? Are you going to have to sacrifice something? Are you going to have to say, you know what? I really, 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 really like getting my mocha latte every day. And instead of getting it every day, I'll only get it three days a week. And I'll take the money from the other two days a week and I'll commit that to missions. How will you get the funds? Where are they going to come from? How is God going to provide it for you? Has he already provided it for you? Like I said, are, are they funds you already have and you go, oh God, I have these funds here. Maybe that's what I can do with them. Or are you going to have to do something else? How will you give? Practical. How? Are you, are, do you write checks? Whenever I, was a, whenever I first came on staff here, um, I had a debit card and I had no checks. And I never got cash after. And after a few weeks, my dad said, hey, son, can we talk about something? I said, yeah. And he said, I haven't seen an envelope come through 
with your name on it that says, here's my tithes and my offerings. <laughs> I haven't seen a check come through. And I go, I know. I keep thinking I need to get money out, and I don't get money out. And Practically, I hadn't considered how am I going to give my funds. That's a practical consideration. How will you give your funds? Uh, will you set up a recurring gift? The easiest thing in the world for Brittany and I is to go, hey, every time that our, uh, our, our paycheck comes in, tithe, offering, automatic, sent through online, amen. So good for us. Some of you, that would not be good because you're not really good managers of your money and you would have insufficient funds notices. And then we would have to sit there and have this awkward conversation. And, and listen, the fact of the matter is, you have to deal with that. Some of you, you have a lot of money, but you don't keep any of it in your bank account. <laughs> and so it would just be a weird deal for you to set up something recurring. How are you going to do it? It's very practical, but it's a necessary component to this. I'm making a commitment to God. I need to know where these funds are going to come from. I need to know how I'm actually going to do this. Will you give with every paycheck? Will you give little by little? Will you give lump sums? Like I said, for us, it makes the best sense for us in our financial situation to give every, it's every other week. Automatic comes out of our bank account. Some of y'all, it makes better sense every quarter. These are things to consider. Paul took it into consideration. The church took it into consideration. Here's some other considerations. You make this commitment between you and the Lord. You and your spouse have to be on board with this. You are going to write it down on a card. That kind of helps make the commitment. Some of you, you know yourself to know this is all I need. I've, said, I've prayed about it to God. I've put it down. I'm good. Some of you go, you know what? I've made commitments to the Lord. I've written things down. I've put them in the offering plate, you know, or whatever. And I've said, hey, this is my commitment. That's not enough for me. Some of you need a trusted friend who you can say, hey, listen, here's, here's what I'm planning to do this year. You don't have to discuss amounts if you don't want to, whatever, but you need somebody that you can go to and you can say, listen, hey, this is bigger than me, and I know myself. I know that I can, in, in three months, I can, I can excuse, justify, vindicate why. I, I just wasn't thinking clearly. Missions month. And, and I just know that about myself. And I trust you. And I know that you love me. So will you pray with me? And will you encourage me to stay committed to this? Um, I will say this. I encourage you. As you pray about it. Not only do you maybe need to. Ask other people for help, but I would also encourage this, that you, you declare it to the Lord. There's something about not just saying, hey, God, let me know what you think about this. 
we'll talk to you later. But there's something about saying, God, I believe that you are going to give me this or you have provided this for me. And God, I'm committing this to you. There's that great moment in scripture where it says it's better not to make a, or to, to make a, to not make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. There, that's a great line. Everybody, but people use it as an excuse never to make a vow, never to make a commitment. And that's not what it's intended for. The intention behind that is just to say, hey, really consider the cost when you make a vow and you make a commitment to the Lord. Um, I never was raised to consider, don't get mad at me for this, I wasn't raised to consider things in such practical terms. My parents might have made such practical decisions, but I, would, I, I didn't pick up on it. I'm afraid that too many times when we think about stuff that is necessary in the church, instead of just thinking about it practically, we over-spiritualize, we make, mor we make moral judgments about things that have no morality to them. Well, faith follows traditions, like I said earlier. And the, and the fact of the matter is, is uh, it costs money for everything that we do in this world. Missions requires a lot of resources for people to travel, for them to learn new languages, for them to uh, adapt to new cultures, for them to be able to know not only how to take the gospel, but how to take the gospel into somebody else's cultural, cultural context. And you and I, who live in Friendswood, Texas, or the surrounding areas, we know that we have been, we are affluent. We've been given a lot. And that affords us the opportunity to have really beautiful homes, really nice vehicles, or really, really luxurious lives, by and large. I, the other day, I broke my iPhone. And 30 minutes later, I had a brand new iPhone. And I was sitting there and I was going, what world do I live in? This is amazing. And also a bit overwhelming. And the way that I see it is not, you've been given so much, so you better get... The way I see it is, we have been given so much and we have the opportunity. We have the ability to give, to support the beautiful feet that are carrying the gospel. We just have the opportunity. And it makes sense to me that, look, God, you've provided for me so much more than I could even ask or think. 
Because I will tell you this. If I was in a different context and every single one of us were on welfare and every single one of us were on uh, other subsidies and programs, I wouldn't say don't for those people not to give, but we would be having a little bit different conversation about what it looks like to give. To me, it just makes good sense. Like, you said, that's an impressive, that is always impressive to me with the size of our church. But it all, I'm also like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> it kind of makes sense because the Lord's blessed us so well financially. And it only makes sense to me. And another regard is because you people don't receive God's blessings in vain. You receive them as gifts, as generosity. It's not something you're owed. And so you have always said, it makes sense for me to give to the work of the Lord. And so today, I celebrate that. And I encourage us, as we go throughout this month, take these practical considerations that I've given, we find biblically-based principles behind. But let's go and let's just consider what it is that God will have us to give to missions this year. And I encourage one last thing. It's the heartbeat of Friends of Baptist Church. We get to enjoy what we get to enjoy in this fellowship, I believe, because we do not receive God's gifts in vain. But we have all been so, we've been taught to be, and we've lived into this generous spirit. And so, my brothers and my sisters, I offer these practical considerations to you. Um, I love you. And I love Friends of Baptist Church. And today, what I want us to do, just to close out the service this morning, is this. I want you to begin that prayer. Lord, what will you have me to do? Lord, what do I need to consider? What do I need to consider? So that I can make a wise, right commitment to you this year. I invite you to pray that prayer. And then I will pray over us. And then uh, I think I've taken way too long. So I think we're just going to go <laughs> after that. Um, so with that, will you all bow your heads, your hearts. Will you offer this prayer to the Lord. Lord, I love you. And Lord, here's what I think. Lord, you're not just asking what we as individuals will do. Lord, we as individual families and 
individuals ourselves, Lord. Lord, we are a, a, a collective body. And we as a church are going to come together and make a commitment. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help us to consider what it is you will have us to give this year. Lord, help us to consider why are we doing this in the first place? What's motivating us? Lord, maybe, maybe that just needs to be freshly challenged for each and every one of us. Maybe we need to be freshly encouraged about why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, God, I pray and I ask that you would help us not only to ask the why, but Lord, just to consider, okay, what does this going to look like for our family this year? Uh, Lord, I love you. I thank you for who you are. I pray that you will not only... Uh, speak to us individually, Lord, but prepare us as a collective body to continue to supporting uh, the work of missions this year. And Lord, here's what I also pray. I pray that everything that we give in faith this year, I pray that it will bear fruit of lives transformed for time and for eternity. Uh, Lord, I pray that people are rescued because we give. I pray these things in Christ's mighty, resurrected name. Amen. Next week, 